0: go to Mum's, kill Phil, Sorry. grab Liz, go to the Winchester, have a nice cold pint and wait for all this to blow over. How's that for a slice of fried gold. Yeah, boy! It is vital that you stay in your homes, make no attempt to reach loved ones and avoid all physical contact with the assailants. They're under the goddamn ground. Tell them about the tweaking. What about the Twinkie? They had five hundred years of democracy and peace, and what did that produce? The cuckoo clock. Dallas MultiPass. Uh, MultiPass. You know this Multi. You're stupid, minds. Stupid. Stupid. I don't know whether I even want to go out with Jeff again. The High Court may well sentence you to torture. Can you play the piano? I can, and sing at the same time. Listen. Hello there. Welcome to Celluloid Days, a podcast of film and film history. I'm your host, Jeffrey Kelly, an old man from the Midwest. You know, when I began this podcast uh, almost two years ago, I did it to explore films that I hadn't seen before. You know, films outside my comfort zone, because I have the habit of watching the same films, the ones I love, over and over. And although that's the case, today I'm going to step back into my comfort zone and talk about a film that I just love, and that's the zombie comedy classic from 2004 called Shaun of the Dead. Do you know I don't think I've got it in me to shoot my flatmate, my mom, and my girlfriend all in the same evening. What makes you think I've taken you back? But before we get started with that, I want to tell you about a vision I had the other day. You know, there's been a lot of talk lately about AI technology. And, well, I get it. A lot of people have concerns, and new technology always causes some unpleasant changes for certain people, and I hope that somehow it'll sort itself out in the end. So instead of thinking about the dark side of artificial intelligence, I was thinking of the good that it could do, how it could help mankind. Now, I have this idea, and I I know we're not there yet, But if AI technology gets a little more advanced, I have an idea of how it could be used for something important. I know this might sound a bit strange, but do you think we can one day use this new Marvel to, you know, um, substitute one actor for another? Here's what I'm thinking. What if Elvis Presley played the part of Snake Plissken in Escape from New York? How cool would that be? In fact, I was thinking about putting the king of rock and roll into all types of films. You know, Dracula, The Maltese Falcon, Dirty Harry. Well, the possibilities are endless. And, you know, I'm not even that big of an Elvis fan, but, you know. I mean, in his day, Elvis made all these silly musical comedies that, let's face it, no one really wants to watch. What if Colonel Tom Parker had more of an imagination and put Elvis into... More interesting roles? We could find out with AI. That could be the answer. Anyway, back to today's show, Shaun of the Dead. The film stars Simon Pegg, Kate Ashfield, Lucy Davis, and Nick Frost. It was written by Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright, with Edgar Wright also directing. It was the first of three films that are called... The Three Flavors Cornetto Trilogy. And I guess they're called that because Cornetto ice cream cones are in all three of the films. Besides Sean, there was 2007's Hat Fuzz and 2013's The World's End. Each one of these films, in my opinion, is an enjoyable watch, though I thought Sean was the best of the group. I know other people who think Hat Fuzz is the best, but to each his own. Let's begin talking about the director of all three of these films, Edgar Wright. It's worth pointing out that the reason that he eats the strawberry Cornetto is when I was at art college and I was very hungover, I had a hankering for some ice cream in the morning and it really helped my hangover. And after that, for a very long time, the Cornetto became my hangover cure. I don't know if there's any medical basis in that idea, but I like to believe that it's true. Edgar Wright is an English filmmaker who was born on April 18, 1974. He graduated from the Bournemouth and Poole College, receiving a national diploma in audiovisual design. His first film was the low-budget independent spoof western, A Fistful of Fingers. It was successful enough for him to get work in television. One show he worked on as both a writer and director was the six-episode comedy series Asylum. Two young actors in the series were Simon Pegg and Jessica Stevenson. Now, Wright has a unique directing style. I mean, you know an Edgar Wright film when you see it. He has this fast-paced, kinetic editing style, which is a combination of visuals and sounds. One of the prime examples of this is when Sean works out his plan for the day. Okay. Take Pete's car, go around Mum's, go in, deal with Philip. Sorry, Philip. Grab Mom, go to Mrs. pick her up, bring her back here, have a cup of tea, and wait for all this to blow over. <sighs> Perfect. So two years after the show Asylum, when Peg and Stevenson were developing a sitcom called Spaced for Channel 4, they asked Wright to direct. Now, if you've never seen Spaced before, you should. It's a very charming show, and it has a lot to do with Shaun of the Dead. Simon Pegg. Is there anyone out there who doesn't like Simon Pegg? Look, I don't care what the telly says, all right? We have to get out of here. If we don't, they'll come up here and they'll tear us to pieces. And that is really going to exacerbate things for all of us. Anyway, he was born Simon John Beckingham on February 14, 1970. He's an English actor, comedian, and screenwriter. He studied English literature and theater and graduated from the University of Bristol in 1991 with a BA in theater, film, and television. For a while after college, he worked as a stand-up comedian. He said, When I graduated from university where I studied theater, film, and television, I went into stand-up because comedy was something I enjoyed, but also it offered me a certain autonomy that I wouldn't have if I was sitting and waiting for the phone to ring as an actor. Then I drifted into comedy acting through doing stand-up, and that was something that I really enjoyed. But it wasn't the only thing I ever wanted to do. There was a time when I was younger that I wanted to be at the Royal Shakespeare Theatre. His stand-up led to parts and shows like Faith in the Future, Asylum, I Am Andrew Partridge, and Hippies. Finally, he co-created the show Spaced. Another star of the show Spaced was Nick Frost. You got your pint? You your pig snacks? What more do you want? Oh, your favorite monkey? frost is a british actor comedian and screenwriter he was born nicholas john frost on march 18 1972 he had sort of a depressing childhood at 15 his parents business failed and they lost the family home and later he witnessed his mother having a stroke due to stress he was forced to take a job at a shipping company to support his family He was working at a North London Mexican restaurant at the same time as Simon Pegg's girlfriend. She told Pegg, there's a guy at work who's really funny. Eventually, Pegg said, my relationship with her ended and I got Nick in the deal. The pair ended up sharing an apartment and Pegg gave Frost a role in Spaced. The show Spaced is about two 20-something Londoners who, despite having just met, decide to move in together. The first series was seven episodes, and it was successful enough to convince Pagan Wright to work on a film. Edgar Wright said, My parents didn't have a VCR. I was obsessed with zombie movies without ever seeing them through reading magazines like Fangoria. Simon and I bonded over the fact that we were obsessed by Romero's 1979 movie Dawn of the Dead. Now, Peg had written an episode of Space in which his character is playing Resident Evil, and that becomes real. Peg said it was an excuse to participate in a little bit of zombie action. But Wright said to him, we should do a zombie film. They came up with a title for their film called Tea Time of the Dead. Now, it was quickly decided they didn't want to do a parody of a zombie movie, but do an actual zombie movie. Now, zombie films weren't as big then as they are these days. After Michael Jackson's thriller video with dancing zombies came out, the gender had pretty much died out. Now, Peg and Frost lived about two minutes walking distance from a pub called The Shepherds, and they were regulars. Nick would say, You should go to a pub in a zombie apocalypse. You've got food and drink, and the doors are really heavy. This was the genesis of The Winchester. The pair were more than regulars at Shepherd's. They basically lived there. And like in the film, they would make up backstories and nicknames for the other regular drinkers in the pub. Cococidal maniac. <laughs> <laughs> she's an ex porn star. She's done it all. They say she's starring in the world's first interracial art Loop. Café <gasps> <gasps> <laughs> Olé. Okay. What about John then? The film was written in about eight weeks, and it was a tribute to the original film Dawn of the Dead. The idea of Sean and Ed being the last to know about the zombie apocalypse was inspired by a real-life event in Edgar Wright's life. He missed the 2001 foot and mouth epidemic by simply not watching the news for a few weeks. One day he turned on the TV to see cattle being burnt, leaving him confused. Because of this, he thought... Is it plausible that the world could be ending and these guys could be the last to know? They decided that since they were fans of the George Romero zombie films, they would follow the same basic rules. You know, things like, if you get bitten by a zombie, you become a zombie, and all that kind of stuff. It was sort of like what was happening in America, in George Romero's films, had come to Britain. And the character of Sean was sort of a combination of Wright and Peg in their earlier lives. Wright said, For my part, Sean of the Dead was my apology for being a complacent, useless boyfriend. I probably settled into a relationship too young and got complacent, and wasn't really trying as hard as I could. Sean definitely has elements of ourselves in him. Of course, the film was a vehicle for Peg and Frost, but the supporting cast is also fantastic. To play the part of Peg's girlfriend, they picked the beautiful Kate Ashfield. Things will be fine, I promise. You promised you'd stop smoking when I did. What? You promised you'd go back to the gym. Th- you promised you'd try drinking red wine instead of beer. Well, you promised you'd come on holiday with me. Well, we went to Greece, didn't we? We met in Greece. That's a rave. It's just not the same. Kate was born in 1972 and had been acting in British films and TV since 1994. She said of her casting, I was at the British Independent Film Awards, and Simon and Edgar came up to me. I didn't know either of them. They said, we're writing a zombie romantic comedy, and we'd love for you to be in it. I was like, great, I don't know what that is. Then a year later, there was a script, and it was fantastic. Now Kate has one of those faces that, well, the camera just loves. She's so perfect in this movie, and she's been working steadily ever since it was made. Though, personally, I can't say that I've seen her in anything else. The great Bill Nighy plays Sean's stepfather, Philip. I'm quite all right, Barbara. I ran it under a cold tap. I really think... We had our jabs when we went to the Isle of Wight. But, Philip... It's a lot of overblown nonsense, a lot of drug nuts running wild. Nighy was born in 1945 and is still alive today. He is just a wonderful actor. He was a theater actor from most of his early acting days and didn't start appearing in films until he was 23. Bill said, The script was one of the best I ever read in my life. It's perfect. I don't know what it is about Bill Nighy, but just to see him on screen, well, it makes me smile. Peg's mother, Barbara, is played by Penny Wilton. No, it's you that doesn't understand. Philip is my husband and has been for the last 17 years. I know you haven't always seen Eye to Eye. But I would at least expect you to respect my feelings. You must be more adult about these things. Yeah. Penny Lope was born in 1948, and it seems she has worked in theater and TV more than films. I would guess she's most famous for her role in Downton Abbey, but she has a very impressive resume, and she's marvelous in this movie. But I can't help but wonder if her name Barbara was chosen just so they could do the Night of the Living Dead joke. Listen, Mum, sit tight. Okay, you're not safe there. We're coming over. I don't want to cause a fuss. We're coming to get you, Barbara. Lucy Davis plays Diane, one of the two friends of Liz. Shake out, get nice and limber, or not. Now, take another look at the way he moves. Remember, Diane, almost like sleepwalking. Look at the face. It's vacant, with a hint of sadness. She was born in 1973. She's probably best known for playing the receptionist on the British television series The Office. You know, on a side note here, I feel bad because all of these actors are wonderful and they all have pretty impressive resumes, but I don't know any of them because I guess I don't watch a lot of British TV. So I remember seeing Lucy in the show Marin from 2015 and almost didn't recognize her as she gained a little weight. She had gone through a kidney transplant and had kidney failure and all that. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but uh, she's had some health issues. Anyway, she's beautiful in this movie, and she was beautiful in Marin. Her boyfriend in the film, David, the young man with the Harry Potter glasses, is played by Dylan Moran. Look, Lizzie, she's going to change. You know I'm right. And when she does, she'll come back and she'll kill all of us. That's what your ex can't seem to realize. He, I believe, is a stand-up comedian as well as a writer. He created and co-wrote a TV show called Black Books. He appears occasionally in film or on TV. He plays his character so wonderfully that I wanted to slap him more than once. He obviously doesn't like Sean and is only dating Diane because he lost out on Liz. Yovan, who is an old friend of Sean's, who he meets at the beginning of the film and later... When she's leading a group of survivors that are identical to Sean's, is played by Jessica Stevenson from Space. Oh my god! Sean! Sean! Oh how you doing? Surviving. So are you living around here? Uh yeah, you? Yeah, I just bought a place, actually. What? I know! I (laughs) I was wondering if there was any talk of her playing Liz, but it was probably decided she wasn't right for the part. She also appears at the end of the movie, but I won't spoil that. Jessica, whose real name is Tallulah Jessica Elena Hines, was born in 1972 and is an English actress, director, and writer. She is very accomplished with a long career in both TV and film. The last actor I want to talk about is Peter Sarah Finowitz. And I had to look that up to pronounce it. Listen. Ed. Since you're not working at the moment, uh, could you please clean up a bit? Yep. And if you play the Answer Machine, could you take down everyone's messages, not just your own? Yep. He plays Pete, the roommate of Sean and Ed. He was born in 1972 and also has had a long career in TV and film. I mention him because I know him from playing The Tick in the 2016 live-action reboot of the superhero show The Tick. It was a show that I really enjoyed, but unfortunately it was cancelled after only two seasons. So the plot of Shaun of the Dead. Basically, Sean is a slacker who has a dead-end job in an electronics shop. He lives with Ed and Pete, two friends from college. Pete takes life seriously and Ed, well, he just wants to sit around drinking beer and playing video games. And sometimes he sells weed. As the film opens, Sean's girlfriend Liz is telling him that she can't live like this anymore. It's just with Ed here, it's no wonder I always bring my flatmates out, and then that only exacerbates things. What do you mean? Well, you guys hardly get on, do you? No, what does exacerbate mean? It means, um, to make things worse. Right. They're going nowhere, spending every night in a pub called The Winchester. She is supported in this view by her two friends, Diane and David. Sean promises to change, and says that he will make plans at a nice restaurant for their three-year anniversary. After he fails to do so, she leaves him. So Sean and Ed go get drunk that night at the Winchester, failing to notice that a zombie apocalypse has begun. Is he, good? Is he bass or. Freeze. The next morning, the new horrible truth finally dawns on Sean and Ed, and they begin a quest to save Liz, David, Diane, Ed's mother, and her new husband, Philip. The idea? Take them all to the Winchester. Although no one official is prepared to comment, religious groups are calling it Judgment Day. There's panic on the streets of London. As an increasing number of reports of serious attacks on people who are literally being eaten alive. A witness reports are sketchy. One unifying detail seems to be that the attackers, in many instances, appear to be dead excited to have with us here a sensational chart-topping... ...or ideological connection between those committing the atrocities and perhaps more alarmingly... There's a girl in the garden... The what? Have been overrun with calls in the garden, there's a girl. So, my favorite scene. There are so many. How do you pick one? I mean, this movie's wall-to-wall favorite scenes. I do like when Sean and his group are walking through a suburban neighborhood on their quest to the Winchester, and they come across Yvonne leading an almost identical group going the opposite way. Every member of Sean's party has a similar character in Yvonne's party. Well, we should scoot. You got somewhere you're going? Uh, Yeah, we're going to the Winchester. The pub? Yeah. Right, well, good luck! I love Yvonne's reaction when Sean tells them that they're on their way to the Winchester. And then there's the scene, of course, where they all take acting lessons to learn how to pretend to be zombies. Okay, let's try, shall we? Liz. Mm nice good vocal work okay Barbara that's excellent sorry dear I was miles away Ed I'll do it on the night this is the night <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> what is that what about yours hey who you died and made you fucking king of the zombies Oh. oh, oh. <sighs> yeah it's pretty good okay right <laughs> The opening credits are fantastic. We see these people going through their daily lives almost already looking like zombies. And of course, later, all these people will appear in the movie as actual zombies. According to Wright, since the film was made on a very modest budget, they saved money by the actors they hired to play zombies. He said, we saved by encouraging fans of Spaced to be zombies. I think they got paid a pound. We pushed their fandom to the limits, he laughed. I think some of them were pissed off because of the long hours, but we couldn't have done the movie without those fans. Apparently, when the film was first shown, they got a call from George Romero who said, Oh, it's wild, man. I love it. The thing that makes this film so different from almost every other zombie movie ever is that it's not only a zombie film, but, in a strange way, a romantic comedy. And the fact that the two main characters are not trying to fix or end the apocalypse. What Wright and Peg set out to do was make a horror comedy version of Tom Stoppard's 1966 tragic comedy Rosencrantz and Gilderstern Are Dead, which concerns two minor characters in Shakespeare's Hamlet. Wright said, Sean is not a member of the military, and he's not a scientist who could cure the zombie crisis. It's not his job to save the day. He's just a man who has to try to get through to the end of the day. Now, I have to ask, how could anyone not like this classic? Am I right? It gets a 93% audience score in Rotten Tomatoes, which is fantastic. But I'm sure there's somebody who fails to understand just how good this film is. Not Brett Spolsetter, 12, who gave this film 10 stars on the IMDb user reviews and wrote... Maybe the best comedy-horror mix of recent years. Sean, Simon Pegg, is in the midst of a lousy patch. He hates and is embarrassed by his job. He gets no respect from the other employees. One of his roommates is on his case about the other roommate, a slacker friend of Sean's. His girlfriend is on his case about the fact that all they ever do is hang out at a pub. And he hates his stepfather, who also was on his case about doing something nice for his mom. And if that's not bad enough, suddenly everybody is turning into a zombie. Sean must both straighten out his life and fight for it at the same time. Sean of the Dead is a superb blending of horror comedy a la American Werewolf in London, Idle Hands, Frankenhooker, Hooker, or the Evil Dead films. It manages to successfully both pay homage to and spoof a number of classic zombie films and horror film zombie mythology in general. Hillary 15 didn't think it was that good and only gave it 7 stars. Over the top and very funny. Since everyone in the world has seen fit to describe the plot of this movie in excruciating detail, I'll skip all that and just let you know that this was one of the funniest movies I've seen in a long time. The understated, bemused reactions of Sean and Ed to all that's going around them at first. Are they out there? No, oh wait. They are out there. Sets the stage for this life and death struggle against the undead. Or, as they will be known in reality TV, the Fun Dead, that will be forever remembered as Z-Day. There is no subtlety here as the zombies are everywhere and the noise is constant, which is one thing I might have changed. It is quite tiring to watch all this activity over fully the last half hour of the film. Still, it's hilarious without being mean-spirited, ...even though folks are being gobbled up and ripped apart throughout. Who needs a superhero to save the world when we've got Sean? Hassan Liu 27 didn't really get it and only gave it five stars. He or she had this to say... Waste of time. Very overrated. This movie is not that comedy. Maybe one scene was a little funny. The movie was so boring... Repeated zombie story with some carless scenes trying to be funny. I don't can't understand how this movie reached to a high rating like 7.9. Maybe it was a new thing in 2004, but nowadays in 2020, it's just a waste of time. Now, I read that comment exactly how it was written. And, hassaloo 27 I counted nine punctuation errors in your one paragraph. And if I noticed them, um, wow superdude 200430 called this film overrated and only gave it three stars. Many have excessively praised this movie, but this boat had left me on the shore wondering what I'd missed. Yes, this film has its moments of hilarity, but overall it has a look-feel storyline and passable script for a made-for-TV zombie comedy, which dragged on. This movie could have been reduced to a funny five or six minute sketch as part of a general comedy show. My girlfriend even fell asleep halfway through it. By no means is this the masterpiece of comedy that so many are touting, and I suspect it's one of those cult films which everyone and their dog simply has to like to be part of the cool crowd. Talk of a sequel, Yawn of the Dead. So many of these reviews I find hilarious in the fact that just because the reviewer doesn't get the film, the rest of us must be sheep just following the crowd, trying to be cool. And finally, and you know there's going to be one like this, a person who only gave it one star. It was Squad 6819, and he or she wrote was looking forward to seeing this movie. I heard so many good reviews about this movie. Best British comedy in years, etc., etc. So I was surprised at how absolutely unfunny and pointless this grueling 100-minute feature was. I was constantly squirming in my seat, and not because I was frightened, but because I was desperate to escape the torture I was being subjected to. I think I laughed about three times throughout the film and didn't hear too many other laughs coming from the rest of the audience. If this is humor, then you can bash me over the head and finish me off like the zombies. Be warned. That's the thing about comedy, isn't it? It's so subjective. It's like music. One song can get someone to jump up and dance, while the other just sits in a corner with a frowny face. I, for instance, don't really care for the music of Bruce Springsteen. Others will pay $800 to see him play it live. To each his own, I guess. I don't mind that so much, but I do mind is other people who put down other people just for having a difference of opinion. You don't know what you're talking about. The music you listen to isn't very good. You might want to learn something, okay? That type of thing. Speaking of music, the film opens with music from the original Night of the Living Dead. It was stock music, so they could use it very cheaply. In fact, all music from Romero's first film is stock music. The original music in the film was by Pete Woodhead and Daniel Mudford. Couldn't find out a lot about these two. Mudford has worked on several Edgar Wright films, but as far as Pete Woodhead, this seems to be his only film credit. I really like the original music in this film. It works. But of course, there is so much music by other artists in the film, such as The Specials, I Monster, Zombie Nation, Chicago, The Smiths, Goblin, and of course Queen. I like the fact that all the music by these artists is diegetic, it comes from tapes or the jukebox or the radio, stuff like that, so it works. Tonight, gonna have myself. Who the hell put this on? Some random. For fuck's sake! Okay, Diane, uh, get mum somewhere safe. David, kill the queen. What's the jukebox? Uh, Liz, Ed, grab some of the weaponry. What about the rifle? It's not real! Oh, Cocktails! What do you mean? The flaming spirits, trampuey, some brandy, get a racket. Light Look, the whole place could go up! What then? How about pull? Okay, John. It's time at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> like so, to wrap things up, here's the thing about this film. When you think about it, they probably would have been better off just to stay at Liz, David, and Diane's apartment. High up, away from the zombies. I mean, really, I don't think zombies can climb. The door looked pretty secure, and I suppose if they did climb up to the balcony like Sean did, it wouldn't be too hard just to knock them back off. Anyway, where would the fun be in that? I can't explain it, Raymond. There's something wrong inside. Katie columns. She'll be eight years old. little bit before I go you know I know this film might not be for everyone it's violent and there's a lot of crude humor in fact according to the parental warnings on IMDB there are 45 uses of the F word one of the C word seven of the S word and then a lot of other uses of so-called bad language Most of the other warnings on there are all about the blood and the bashing of zombies and that type of thing. Now, as far as a sequel, according to Peg, who has joked in the past about doing a Sean versus a vampire type movie, he now says it's never going to happen, so that's okay with me. This movie doesn't need a sequel. But if you've got any thoughts on Shaun of the Dead or or with anything else connected with today's show, you can email me at daysofcelluloid at gmail.com. Days of Celluloid all being one word. And, you know, it doesn't have to be about today's show. It It can be about anything. You can recommend a film to me, provide additional information, or even just say hi. I also have a Facebook page. It's called Celluloid Days. And a Twitter page. It's at celluloid days. So next week, I'm going to talk about a film that I talked about doing a couple of months ago before my short hiatus. It's called The Visitor from 1979. It stars John Huston, Mel Farrar, Glenn Ford, Lance Hendrickson, and Shelley Winters. It's the story of, um, well, to be honest, I have no idea. It's a bizarre film. I'll try to make sense of this Italian masterpiece next week, and I'll also talk about how Riff Tracks treated it. Now, before I leave, I have one more request. If you could leave me a review, hopefully a good one, at wherever you stream this podcast, I'd be forever grateful. Thanks for listening, take care, and I'll be back next Monday. Goodbye. They're under the goddamn ground. Tell them about the Twinkie. What about the Twinkie? They had 500 years of democracy and peace, and what did that produce? The cuckoo clock. Two dollars multipass. Yeah. Multi-pass. The, uh, multipass. You know it's multi You're stupid minds. Stupid. Stupid. I don't know whether I even want to go out with Jeff again. The High Court may well sentence you to torture. Can you play the piano? I can. And sing at the same time. That's